0: Hello and welcome to the All-Terrain Podcast, a brand new series from the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. I'm Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike as we find out about their real-life journey to this point and they'll have to make four choices for the walk and answer four questions along the way. In this episode, I'm joined by Chinny McDonald. Chinny is the media and PR lead for Christian Aid. She's a regular contributor to Thought for the Day on BBC Radio 4 and is the author of Am I Beautiful? A book exploring body image among Christian women. As well as this, she's a trustee of Greenbelt and sits on the boards of the Church and Media Network, Christians Against Poverty and the Sophia Network. Is that all right, first and foremost? That is all right. Is it all correct? Yeah. That's the first time it's ever happened. Sometimes I just make stuff up and put it in there just to see <laughs> if people are even listening. Um... Ginny, you're obviously incredibly busy and you do a lot of incredible work. What about outside of work? What does your life look like?
1: Life is currently extremely Busy both at work and at home. So I have a, a toddler who's nearly two, wow. um, a little boy, uh, and I'm married to Mark, and we live in southeast London. Okay. And we go to a church in southeast London called the Bear Church, which is pretty cool.
0: B A R?
1: B E A R.
0: As in, er. Uh, yeah, as in, er. <laughs> no one can see it, but I did the arm and everything there. Yeah. I did the whole er. <laughs> um yeah because they used to
1: meet at the brown bear pub meet like about 30. Oh, I that's what kept the name going. yeah but it's a cool church it now means Bible what well, they kind of retrospectively yeah. made it mean yeah Bible everyone adoration relationships
0: nice
1: yeah, that's what we're about Ooh. um so yeah busy there is um, your kids ministry called the Cubs I think it is called bear cubs
0: yeah, <laughs> see? I love it I we're love the kind of it. parents and toddlers groups okay. um for okay. people who aren't at the church they' okay. just called bear cubs I feel like you could just take that so far. <laughs> you must have yoga there, do you? Yoga bear. <laughs> yeah, you actually. do. <laughs> it's I'd, called Psalms and stretches. Uh, see, that's not as good. I'd have it called yoga bear, but I'd have the ah as an at symbol. You can have that oh, one for that's free. that's Yoga at I'll, bear. I'll write that down. There you go. You've got it. Um, what do you do to relax during your spare time?
1: I would love to say that I have loads of spare time, but hmm. actually I'm getting more efficient with the things that I okay. like doing. So on my way to work, I'll listen to podcasts yep. or watch a bit of trashy tv yeah i find um that i used to love my kind of crime thrillers and okay. kind of netflix dramas and things like that but over the past couple of years with the state of the world i can't really take those anymore so i have to watch kind of mindless yes. things with repetitive formats um also don't you think
0: that's interesting because i we're the same but we had our son five and a half years ago i think having him has meant that i'm way more cautious is probably the wrong word but i'm way more aware of what i'm watching in yeah. terms of like i don't want to watch that Yeah, definitely. And
1: anything that has any tragedy or sadness, I can't bear it Too much, yeah. (laughs) Since giving birth, I don't know.
0: It's Yeah, I just... Just stick to the real wives. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, we need to get started. Before we go, you have to make two of your choices before we start asking the the questions. So the first one is, where are we walking? Where is this hypothetical hike taking us?
1: Well, I, over the years, have loved travelling. I've been to so many different countries Mm. and cities, love culture Love experiencing different things, but I've realised that the only place I'd want to walk right now is home mm. because home increasingly has meant um, refuge and peace and stillness sometimes. Um, uh, but I guess my question is, which home is it? So mm. um, I often think about where I'm from, or I get asked where I'm from mm. because I was born in Nigeria but moved to London when I was four. Mm. So is home London or mm. is home Nigeria? Is home my parents' house or is it my house? Yes. Um, so we're basically, either walking to Southeast London yeah. or somewhere in Nigeria, okay. um, or we're walking to my parents in Hampshire.
0: <laughs> okay, so so there's some choices. Yeah, there's some choices, and if you had to pick one, if I pushed you, okay. We're going to walk home to my parents. Okay, nice. That's good. And you get to bring three people with you. One living, one dead, one fictional. Who's coming with us on the walk?
1: I'm assuming that we can't bring... This is excluding family.
0: Yes. Okay, fine. Yes. Everyone always <laughs> want Yes. Okay, fine. Yes. Um, I am bringing with me... I'm going to say Oprah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm happy with that. <laughs> because she's just a, an absolute legend. Yeah. And, and as someone who's wanted to be in... I have wanted to be in media and communications mm. all my life. So I've grown up with her. And she is just an ex- amazing example mm-hmm. of a black woman who's done phenomenally well. Mm. And and I love how that she's used her kind of um, career and her trade to actually make people's lives better. And to help people think not yes. just about themselves, but about the wider world around them, about spirituality, mm. about um, the things that really matter. So mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Oprah. I think Very she'll be a great conversation. Yeah. Um, and then dead yes okay so this I'm going to try not to cry um, so a few years ago my mother-in-law died uh, from cancer uh, and she died about five months before we found out we were pregnant with our first son so um. so yeah she died from cancer it was a really long horrible time a really painful time and I think uh, for my husband I just he just wishes that she had met my son mm. um so often just death seems so final doesn't it it's just mm. so sad um so I just want I would love her to come on the walk yeah. <laughs> maybe I would bring my son so that she could meet him but yeah, yeah
0: absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and fictional
1: fictional so I'm gonna go for a conquo from a book called things Fall apart okay so Things Fall Apart was a book written by Chinua Achebe, who's a Nigerian author. Um, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Um, but he's from the same part of Nigeria as I am. Yeah. Um, and this book is a kind of... seminal work in Mm. terms of African literature and it's about um the central character is a conqueror who's a clan leader he's a very proud man he despises weakness Mm. but it's all about his kind of tragic fall um following the um white missionaries coming to the village and lots of his um And I I guess clans people converting to that and what that does. So so Akonkwa, I'd love to have a conversation with Mm. him just about identity, Mm. about um, potentially white supremacy in Christianity, Mm -hmm. what he thinks about how the world has, what the world's turned into. So, Mm. yeah, I think it'd be a good conversation.
0: I, I love that. Those sound like a really good thing. I have to come too. I always have to okay, let people cool. know I'm, i have to come just because I bring the microphone great that's okay. basically it so I'm hoping that your parents have got something decent on for you know at least good coffee if not a oh yeah there'll be something yeah
1: they've got oh yes abundance
0: so every guest on the altering podcast answers four questions so here's your first one how do you face change I would like to
1: think that I embrace change mm-hmm. um I have been thinking a lot about the season of life that I am in now, which is very different to the season of life I was in five years ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, um, when I was single, could do whatever I want, travel, do all yeah, all the fun things. Um, and now it's just a different, it's a different phase of mm-hmm. life, isn't it? Um, but it is equally, if not more magical. Um, I've been thinking about Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3 as well. Mm. You know, that kind of famous passage around to everything. There's a season, Mm. a time to mourn, a time to reap, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things, time to dance. Um, So I embrace it because looking back on the changes that have happened in my life over 35 years, Mm. um, I feel like they've often turned out for good, even though they might be a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Um, In the actual process, I always am able to look back and know that it was the right change at the
0: right time. So you talked a little bit about um, moving here to London when you were four. Do you have memories of Lagos? Do you remember the move? Can you, does because I guess that's a very early change, sp- particularly if you remember it. Is that something you can recall? I remember, um, often, you know, we hear stories from our parents of
1: what happened when we were little. Mm. Um, but I definitely remember being at the airport with all of our family kind of gathered to kind of say goodbye to us. And my mum talks about how, um i have two younger sisters so we were four three and less than one wow. and she um someone handed her her three children <laughs> and she was like what on earth am i going to do with no kind of community no family in england yeah. with these three children um so i definitely remember lots of people at the airport i remember um being the only person who looked like me in reception class mm-hmm. um and i remember realizing that and not feeling good about it um i guess i guess it's kind of you know no one wants to be different do they um and lots of people have different you know issues when their children say whether they're tall or short or um blonde hair or ginger hair or whatever it is um so that sense of difference and change and not being happy with it Mm. um yeah, I remember it. I remember times feeling like I really did not want to be Nigerian at all. Wow. I didn't want to kind of associate with it. So I did my utmost to kind of be as British as possible. It's so not, how it's, would
0: that have manifested? What would you have done to try and be more British and less Nigerian? What yeah, so
1: at school, um, I would try not to conform to stereotypes of like, you know, being late or... Um, eating nigerian food as packed lunch so i just you know eat british food okay um and my parents you know were quite good at straddling the two cultures yeah quite good um but i just didn't want to be seen as other until i went to university so i went to cambridge university and um i had no choice but to be other in that (laughs) situation i think that was where i was like okay i can't actually pretend to be a white british because i'm not and people are pointing me out as not. Um, But I guess in terms of culture, I think at that point I was like, actually, do you know what? I've got a really rich heritage Mm. of my own, Mm. um, a really rich Nigerian heritage that I need to learn more about. So Mm. I engaged in this kind of process of learning more about um, my culture, my history, reading books like Things Fall Apart, Mm. trying to learn my language, which is Igbo, Mm. um, learning how to cook Nigerian food, that kind of stuff. Um, And so at this point I would say I'm comfortable being 100 percent british and 100 percent
0: nigerian i'm just both so when it comes to change for you it's about embracing it which is what you kind of said i guess the other thing that struck me in that was was identity just became really important so that as other things change around you knowing who you are was more important for you would that be fair definitely um and
1: i'm not saying i i'm a finished product in terms of knowing who i am but i definitely know more i'm more sure of who i am Mm. than i was um and that's really important in terms of centering Mm. yourself and not being i guess swayed by the wind
0: in times of change let's move on to question two how do we move through suffering i don't This
1: is a really difficult question isn't Mm. it so i think in terms of suffering um the kind of worst example of suffering that I've experienced in the past few years has been with my husband's mother. Mm. What I didn't say earlier on was that my husband's father died six, le- six weeks later, oh. um, and that they were divorced. Um, but that's, that kind of period was a real, really intense in terms of grief mm. and suffering and um, dealing with death mm. in a way that um, that we hadn't been, you know hadn't been that close to it before so how did we move through it or how would i suggest that we move through it i think you know in those moments of suffering you experience the preciousness of life and even if there are moments that are really fleeting the kind of the laughs or the touch of the hand um but also the sense that there are people with you Mm. in the suffering whether they're in the room or not, you know, friends and family that pray for you through it, people that you can just cry at, mm. um, who won't try to fix things. I think moving through suffering um,
0: means that we need to be present in that suffering potentially. Mm. Tell me more about that. What does that mean, being present in that suffering? Because for some people, that will be a strange thing.
1: Mm. I think in the kind of big, you know, death (laughs) situations of suffering Mm. recognizing that we are we don't hold the power in those situations so it's no point trying to struggle Mm. to get out of it and fix it and you know i you know not wanting to suffer but knowing that okay we're in it now um who is alongside us in that suffering Mm. i believe that God is there in the midst of suffering. I think part of the beauty for me of the Christian faith is this idea that things aren't necessarily happy and shiny Mm. um, in the Christian life, but the the point is that Jesus suffered too, and he knows what suffering is, and he holds your hand through it. Mm. So being present in that.
0: The thing I love most about this question is that it's not about past, it's not about how do you get over suffering or how do you get past suffering. Looking back now, at what you went through as a family, what were those things that you now know you would tick into the next season if you could?
1: I think in moving through suffering, I would cling to those um, around me um, that I love um, or who love me Mm. or who give me that kind of freedom to be able to suffer you know, the usual things about, you know, letting people cry or mm. letting people say that they're suffering and mm. um, expressing that suffering, express, expressing the pain, I think is really important. I think also knowing that God is there in the suffering, feels really tried to say, mm. <laughs> to say that, um, but it helps. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's anything else that helps in that situation, but,
0: but knowing that God's there. Mm. Thank you. Okay. So it's time to face another one of your choices. So uh, occasionally, conversation might dry up. Uh, what would we be listening to? What's on your playlist? I could be really honest and just say, take that greatest hits. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Answer <laughs> taken. I don't, I'm actually, happy. This I'm, walk's got even better. You've brought amazing people. <laughs> we're going somewhere where I'm getting fed, and we're listening to take that all the way.
1: I've just realised, though, that Oprah, a can for them things all fall apart, and my mother-in-law... I'm not going to love to take that greatest hit, so I've got to okay. be... So I'm thinking something that, that might be a bit more universal, which is more like um, a Motown compilation album. Okay. And I love Motown music because it tells you know, all the kind of phases of life, you know, yeah. from falling in love to yeah. heartbreak yeah. Um, to civil rights. Yes. Love it. So back to the questions. Uh, the third one is this. How do we receive joy? It's really hard to receive joy... In well I find it hard to receive joy or notice joy in the kind of busyness of life mm. um, there are lots of distractions or there's often the, the next thing that we want to move on to um, so how do we receive joy I think that it's um, in practicing um, mindfulness and the kind of noticing the simple pleasures often mm. so focusing on the, the small joys as well as the big joys mm. Um but just noticing them is the thing that I mm. that I have an issue with, with because there's just so much going on.
0: Mm.
1: So, what brings you joy? What brings me joy is, I guess, connection.
0: Okay.
1: From people that I love. Like, so my mm. my greatest joy is cooking a big meal and having lots of people around the table. Mm-hmm. That is perfection to me, mm. um, because there's community and a sense of connectedness mm. uh, and seeing each other. There are the daily joys of my of having a toddler mm. and seeing him grow and say words um, and do ridiculously weird things that are hilarious. Mm. Um, and that's kind of a, a daily joy, just like looking, looking at him as a joy. Mm. Um, so there's that. But I think my kind of deepest joy is in connection with other people.
0: Mm. So when you're busy... How do you maintain connection within that? How do you ensure that that thing that brings you joy stays? Isn't
1: it Because it can become, that, connect, that seeking connectedness can also become a drain. Mm. And I think often in trying to seek connectedness and trying to bring people around my, literally around my table, mm. um, there is the stress that leading up to that of cooking, of getting people over, tidying up. But there is always a moment when I've sat down,
0: mm.
1: when everyone's eating and talking, the joy comes. Mm.
0: Because I guess once you know that something brings you joy, it can be really easy to add that to the to do list. Yeah. I love spending time with people. Therefore, I have to spend time with people three times a week. And if I don't do that, I've, I've failed.
1: Yeah. Knowing. Yeah, I guess that is one of my biggest
0: issues is is just trying to
1: yeah, I've got a long to-do list all the time. Okay. I bullet journal. I am like, well, I've got to buy these things for this. You know, these people are coming around on Saturday, yeah. etc. And it, I, it is stressful. Mm. Um, but I also know, I, I would do it just for that moment of joy, um, when I've sat down and done all the stuff, even yeah. if it's like a minute. Yeah. Um, and. It might be stressful leading up to
0: that joy, yeah. but I anyway, know I'll get it. So work right now, you, you work a lot in the media for both Christian Aid and also outside of that, you, you're you a voice in the media. How important is it for you to bring joy in what you do in those spaces?
1: It's really important to me. I just feel incredibly lucky to be able to have a voice mm. um, in a world that is chaotic and in a world where people are feeling deep sadness mm. or fear or anxiety. Um in doing thought for the day in particular when i first got the call to do it i was like are you joking this is i'm a child i can't do this um, um but actually looking back at my career and the things that i've learned you know studying theology as well as communications mm. um and knowing um or writing down a few years ago that i felt that my mission or my unique calling was to communicate the good news of jesus christ in an accessible way to a world that doesn't understand it. Mm. I was like, well, Thought for the Day is a pretty good way mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and honestly, I just love love the opportunity to be able to speak goodness and peace and truth and love and all those good things that I think God wants us to have mm. um, to people like me who are going about their days. Mm. Um, It's a kind of a solemn moment and an intrusion Mm. into their day which you might be able to speak life into. Mm. Um, So I feel a real responsibility to do that Mm. and to do that well. Um, I am always surprised when I think that the scripts that I've written or whatever I've said are a bit rubbish (laughs) Mm. Um, and people respond Mm. and they can have kind of direct access to you because Mm. it's the social media or they can email you. Um, And I love that it, does connect with people Mm. so i do think there's definitely a god thing in there
0: Mm. so for you whether it's connecting people around the table or whether it's connecting the good news of jesus to someone who just happens to be in the car on the way to work or on the way to the station whatever it is joy seems to be found in that word connection Would would you say that's that's a word that speaks broadly over your life
1: Yes, um, and I've probably only just discovered that uh, today. Um, yes, connection with, you know, whether it's me and my husband, our family, mm. bringing two families together. Um, I immediately kind of walk into a room and see connections or see who can in- I can introduce to who mm. or include people mm. who I think are... On the sidelines or yeah. feeling excluded. And that's like my, it makes me feel anxious that people f- feel like they're left out. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, connecting normal people, normal busy people with their own lives to a sense of the numinous, of the sacred, of God. Mm. Yes. I think that could bring
0: a lot of people joy I like that. So you've got one more choice and one more question. We're going to do the choice first. So we need some snacks. What would be in the snack bag?
1: Well, we will have a uh, an eclectic mix Ooh, of okay. international right. I'm ready. foods I'm
0: ready. that reflect,
1: um, I guess, different parts of my identity and my life, but also things I like eating. So I don't know how we will package these things up, but I'm thinking Yorkshire puddings.
0: Yes, I'm in.
1: But um, with some jollof rice. Do you know what jollof rice is? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, jollof rice is my favorite food in the world. I could eat it every day. It is a... There's a debate about where it actually comes from, but obviously it does come from Nigeria and jollof rice is the best. Absolutely.
0: You heard it here first. Um,
1: (laughs) But it is a rice cooked in basically tomatoes, onions, garlic. Absolutely delicious. Um, And then we'll have some Asian spiced salmon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that's my other... Great love oh, okay. <laughs> salmon generally I could I love eat salmon. I could just eat Salmon every day Salmon and jollof fries Could live on that Oh yeah I think but I could live on that Yeah but with Asian
0: Asian spices Yeah Yeah Very nice <laughs> It's a bit dry I haven't got any sauce But um No we could do with I mean You don't want gravy on that Do you Not, mm. No No do with something though A spicy gravy A spicy gravy Dream <laughs> that, I mean this is the best Snack bag we've had so far For anyone listening Who knows they're coming On the show The bar is now set that's what we expect. None of this pot of nuts and a blueberry, <laughs> right? We want proper food. Uh, I love that. I, um, food is obviously something that um, in Nigerian culture is really important. You talked about learning to cook when you were at Cambridge, which is interesting because I suppose at the point at which you move away from your parents, you then start to try and rediscover this thing that you probably yeah. could have learned at home quite easily.
1: Yes. Um, I remember actually going to Nigeria some, you know, about 10 years ago and sitting with my grandmother in her kitchen. Mm. Um, while well, she taught me how to make okra soup, which is um, a Nigerian thing. Um, but just, it took hours and hours mm. and she kept falling asleep <laughs> on the side. <laughs> but there was a real sense of, you know, the handing down, of yes. you know, from generations yes. before. None of these recipes are written down. Well, yeah. you might be able to find them, but then they won't be the proper ones. Yeah. Um, and just that sense of imparting knowledge, of feeling part of something much bigger than myself um that i could then take away forever um and teach to my husband and son maybe mm. one day but i haven't yet
0: yeah i think that's really i think that's really helpful again it's about it's about all of this all of these things always tied together but that connection and identity that actually by sitting with your grandmother you're both connecting to her and to your heritage and also who you are mm. yeah i think that's really interesting how food has has been part of that for you yeah So one final question, how do we mature in service?
1: As someone who, um, I find it very difficult to say no to people and I find that I serve and serve and serve and serve others. Mm. Sometimes in seeking affirmation, sometimes in seeking recognition, but often in just wanting to do good. Um, However, I think in terms of maturing in service, it's about recognising what is our unique calling, what are we uniquely mm. called to serve it in, in which areas and being, you know, comfortable in that, in pushing forward in that, and potentially therefore saying no to other mm. um, pressures to serve in different ways. Um, also part of the maturity element, I think, is in being knowing that we would serve others or serve God even if no one ever said well done or thanked us for it. Mm. Um, I've been thinking uh, recently about, there's a woman called Jessie Cragen. Have you ever heard of her? No. Well, you've never heard of her, but have you heard of Millicent Fawcett? Yes. So Millicent Fawcett um, was you know, part of the suffragettes yeah. movement. Um, you know, there's, statues of her, there's a statue of her in London, She's very much been, you know, one of those names that has been recognised. But there's also a woman called Jessie Craigan who lived at the same time, who was doing the same stuff. Um, but she, I guess, didn't fit the mould of, um, I guess, someone who should be celebrated. So she was, like, short and a bit, like, stout. and But she was very much, you know, did as much as Millie, Miss, Millicent Fawcett did. And I think about her and I think about the fact that no statue has ever been made of her and no one knows who she is. Mm. And would I do good or serve others or fight for the cause, even if no one ever said or recognized that I had done it. And I think if I were to do that, that would be a sign of maturity
0: in service. That points towards a question of humility, I guess, in terms of as we, if our serving is all of others, how important is it then that the others recognize the serving? Uh, In your work here, I guess, at Christian Aid, a lot of what you do is, is, is that. This organisation serves others. It makes life better. It, uh, what is it? We believe in life before death that I just read yeah. on the way in. Yeah. Like, it's all about that. It's a, how, how for you in your work do you see that lived out, that kind of serving and helping of others? It's,
1: it's a hard one because the international development um, sector... We are very much about helping others, but we want people to know that we're helping others, so that they can give us more, to, more money, so that we can help others. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But we've been challenged recently. Someone from the UN, um, the Deputy Secretary General of the UN, came to Christian Aid a few months ago, and her question to us was, "What is your exit strategy? Um, what you know? What? How are you working towards not being there? Yeah, <laughs> um, and therefore at some point not being, not getting the rec- recognition, but handing over the, the power." in full yes. to the people that you're trying to serve and yes. um, so that that was an interesting challenge for me and um for us i think as christian aid in realizing the ultimate goal of all that we do is so that mm. other people can stand um in the dignity and quality equality and justice that they deserve as much as
0: we do without you without us yeah and that's a huge challenge yeah it's a huge challenge for an organization like this one or like the one who make this podcast, The Salvation Army, an amazing organization doing incredible work all over the globe. But actually that understanding of the goal has to be not to be there propping up. The goal has not to be there holding hands. It's to be there, but success might only really be realized when we've stopped, when we've said that actually we've done that. And that's really hard for organisations, like you say, whenever part of your job is to, particularly your job, is to get the word out, get more money in, let more people know the good stuff you're doing. But I think even as individuals, that's a really hard thing to understand, that desire to be needed. You've talked already a number of times, very honestly, about affirmation, something I absolutely think anyone who puts themselves out there in any way, whether we like it or not, we all like to be told, good job, even if we know it's not good for us. Um, There's something about understanding that the the true maturity like you talked about maybe comes in recognizing that it's not all about us. I read a beautiful book last year. I don't know if you've read it. um, uh, The Humility of God by Delio. No. It's absolutely stunning. And um, it says this, those who are filled up with themselves have no room or time for a humble God. They are so preoccupied with themselves, their ideas, their greatness, their wealth and status. They cannot see beyond their noses. That was like, oh yeah like if i think about who i have been and even when i was doing good stuff just knowing that it sort of was always about me i guess that next stage of maturing is going to be really interesting yeah what are you putting in place or what have you put in place to allow you to go from maybe something similar of affirmation needing to be noticed and, and recognized to you talk about maturing, what what are you doing? What have you put around you to, to make that a reality? I think. Well, I've got a group of women friends that we we call
1: ourselves the Mighty Women of Valor. Mm. Uh, there's a few of us. About it's a humble name. <laughs> <We're> very humble. <laughs> it's to it's be honest. Yeah, it's a group of very, very humble women, but mm. doing amazing things. I love that. Um, but we, I guess, encourage each other and mm. support each other through. Difficult things, difficult mm. meetings, you know, um, uh, we've got a WhatsApp group where we kind of send quick prayer requests, mm. but I think as part of that, we also ask each other difficult questions,
0: mm.
1: questions of, are you sure you need to be doing that? Um, why are you doing that? Oh. Um, and that's been really helpful for me in reflecting back on myself and hearing mm. what I'm doing, mm. reflected back on myself and knowing the the freedom that sometimes comes with saying no, or saying I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but here's another person who might be able to, mm-hmm. um, and really being sure of what I have uniquely been called to do, which is not everything. So I think probably over the next, you know, and this is a real like you know live challenge mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be some things over the next kind of year that I'll probably be laying aside because um, I. I no longer want to just strive to do everything um, so I don't upset people or you know, think that they'll feel bad, bad about me because I've said no. So yes, it's a live challenge. Um, I've got relationships around me, people who ask me the difficult mm. questions, uh, a supportive husband who also <laughs> asks difficult questions. Mm. Um, yeah, I, but I think it is in recognizing that, um, that it's not about us really. And we see throughout the New Testament, um, you know, the early, uh, the disciples, the early church fathers who were absolutely committed to laying themselves down Mm. um, for the sake of the gospel. Mm. Um, So that is a challenge for me.
0: So for you, that group of people and also then that kind of in yourself, that kind of recognition of knowing that you might have to say no. Yeah, I'm practicing it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Getting it beyond the theory.
1: And also, I think I might start saying this to myself. I'm not good at everything. <laughs> I'm actually
0: not good at everything yeah. as much as I might think that I am. <laughs> we'll try to
1: actually, cause other people who are better than me at this. Yeah. Um,
0: why don't you ask them? Yeah. Every now and again, just to remind myself of that, I try any sport. Sometimes if I get to that point where I'm getting a little bit just ahead of myself, I just go and try and play like a game of badminton and remind myself I am definitely not good at everything. <laughs> yeah. That's a strong reminder for me. Um, that's it for this episode. I want to say a huge thanks again uh, to Ginny McDonald. Uh, where can people find you? So obviously you've written the book, you're on social media.
1: Yep, um, at Ginny McDonald on Twitter is the best way to Great. find me. Uh, but please look out for Christian Aid as well.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and support the work that you guys are doing. Uh, and obviously your book is still available.
1: Yes, Am I Beautiful, um, you can find it on uh, lots of Christian online retailers.
0: And also if you go onto the podcast app, wherever you're listening to this or wherever you are finding your podcast, if you just put in a Chinese name, you'll also find some of your Thought for the Days and also some other appearances. You did a brilliant episode of The Sacred Podcast, which is one of my absolute favourites, which um, was, was really, really great. So I'd encourage people to go and listen and, and uh, if they want to get in touch, they can do that. Uh, I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain Podcast.